Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Maybe we should tell folks who's here. Oh, yeah, of course. So um, my name is Seminarian Anthony Ferguson. Uh, I'm here with Ken White, our Director of Youth and Young Adults. Hello. And Austin Farenhold, our Director of Advancement. Hello, folks. And how could I possibly forget our special in-studio guest who is going to be lurking with us today? <laughs> His name is Josh Wells. He's one of our biggest supporters, and he's an awesome dude. Here he is. Let's go ahead and hear from Josh. Hey, good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on here. I've been looking forward to this for a while. And we just want to give a big shout-out to Josh. He's uh, he's He heard our first kind of introductory podcast it wasn't even one we published just to kind of show the staff this is what we're about and he said guys this is awesome i'm all in whatever i can do to help um and he has helped in many ways in getting gear for us and uh and just being a presence um and and helping us with with other things that hopefully are to come in the near future that you'll hear about so he's a good man and it's kind of an ecumenical affair today because josh is actually technically not catholic quite yet but he is on the road um, just in a few few short weeks, um, there's uh, he'll be coming into the church at the Easter Vigil, so we're looking forward to that, being yeah. able to, to come to communion with you. So it's going to be awesome. It's awesome. It's going to be a beautiful moment. So um, speaking of beautiful moments and just awesome being together with human beings, um, I have a question for you guys today. Let's hear it. All right, so the question that I have is, is loneliness always bad? Is loneliness always bad? Well, I think with any question, you got to first define your terms, right? So what do you mean by loneliness? Well, uh, so this is in the context of, of kind of an idea of loneliness versus intimacy. So loneliness, I would say, is um, not necessarily an alienation or like being against people or separated from people, but just being alone and uh, feeling kind of like that ache that's like, oh, like, I want to be with people. I guess I would want to break down loneliness into being the, the act of being alone and then actually feeling lonely and maybe sort of separating those two because being alone is actually a good thing. It's good at times in your life to find time to be alone. I think that's where it's easiest to encounter God is when you don't have the distractions, even of wonderful conversations with other people that you have a chance to be alone. But there's also that separate sort of feeling of loneliness. And maybe I guess I don't see if you're constantly feeling lonely, I would say that there's something wrong because ultimately I would hope that that ache and feeling of loneliness would lead to the realization that God is there and can fill that gap. So it's it seems like a negative in the sense that there should be something that fills that if you're having that feeling and that someone is God. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction, Ken, is that, that feeling of loneliness and the, the act of being alone. That um, usually when you're feeling lonely, you feel like that's, that's bad, you know, that you're – we're not made to be alone. Um, I mean, that's kind of in Genesis, right? It's not good for man to be alone. So in, in one sense, it's not good to be alone, uh, to have that feeling of, of loneliness and, and a desire for companionship. But on the other hand, I love when I have alone time. 
I'm an extrovert, so most of the time I love being with other people. But uh, early in the morning, that's a time for me to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and pray. Uh, so I guess I'm not alone because God is there. But um, but in terms of with other people, I'm by myself. All my kids are sleeping. Sometimes I go to a chapel, so my wife's, you know, I'm not even in the same place as my wife, and I'm alone. Um, and that feels right. I mean, I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, let me just kind of contextualize the question. So I, I was reading a, a book on celibacy. And so the, the book on, you know, celibacy is, is that committed life of a single life, chaste, chaste celibacy. And um, and he talks a lot about loneliness and intimacy. And he, he kind of he breaks it down and says that people will often kind of just blandly assume that uh, celibates are lonely and married people are always intimate. Like they're, they're just, there's just kind of this... If you if you are a celibate man, then you're going to be lonely. If you're a celibate woman, then you're going to be lonely. If you're a married person, then you will never be lonely. And and if you ever feel lonely, then something's wrong with your marriage. You know what I mean? False. False. Okay. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that because I've never been married, and so I don't know what that's like. Yeah, it's interesting because back so way back before um, before I even knew Rhiannon, before I had met her when I lived in Idaho, I I was discerning the priesthood and some of my biggest fears in discerning the priesthood was I remember sharing with the priests that I was talking to about my discernment that I was afraid of being like being lonely, not having that companion, right? What would that life look like? And I I distinctly remember the priest saying, I have met many, many married people who are very lonely. And it struck me because I thought, how could that be? They're living with this person. They're sharing a life with this person. How could they mm-hmm. be lonely? Um, and I think now, having been married, I think where where I distinctly can attest to that is I do have feelings of loneliness. But it's because as amazing as my wife, Rhiannon, is and all that she does um, for me and for our family, she can't fulfill the distinct need I have for God. Mm. Like she, she cannot replace God. And so when I have feelings of loneliness, even though I share a life with someone, someone who's incredible and amazing, it's because there's, there's an ache for God and I'm seeking that. And so that feeling of loneliness, I have to ask, have I been praying a lot lately (laughs) or, or is this feeling of loneliness? Why do I feel this way? Except that maybe, I have not spent intimate time with God. Austin, did you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, being married, um, it's certainly there are times of loneliness. Uh, and what I've kind of noticed is is uh, the times when you might feel alone or when, um, when you're not as intimate with your spouse. Um, and I don't mean just physically, um, because you can be physically intimate but still feel very alone. Uh, but... Uh, spiritually or emotionally, um, or I mean, even sometimes, you know, uh, if you're trying to communicate a thought, um, and your spouse is just not understanding it, but you really want them to, um, but they don't get it. Um, and, and my poor wife, I think this happens to her all the time where she tries to communicate something to me and I don't get it. Um, is that there, there can be a sense of loneliness that, you know, I really love this person and I really want to bring them into everything that I'm thinking. 
um, and I want them to understand it, but they, they don't. Um, and that can kind of leave you with this sense of like, does anybody get me? You know, um, we're supposed to be one, but I feel divided or I feel like we're not on the same page and that can kind of bring about a little bit of an isolation, you know, of, of gosh, am I, what am I, what am I worth if I can't even, you know, share in something, you know, I I think that's the fear that grips us when we do feel lonely, even if the loneliness is pretty innocuous, even if loneliness isn't necessarily like revealing anything about the nature of the relationship, like anything negative about it at all, you know, like maybe you still feel lonely at times in your marriages, but like, you know, that you're, you're totally fine with your wife, you know, like, and everything's good. It's just like, what is this ache that's in my heart? What is this feeling going on here? Like, why do I have this? Um, there's a fear of the isolation. There's a fear that maybe I'm not good enough. There's a fear that like, maybe there's something that I'm not doing that I should be, or just like this fear that there's a, an emptiness that needs to be filled. Um, and sometimes we look to other people to fill that. So let me, I, I kind of want to, uh, let's talk about intimacy and like what, what intimacy is. And, and the quote from the book that I was reading, um, it's called an experience of celibacy. Um, it was recommended, um, to me in a book, another book on celibacy. It was in one of the references, but a uh, basic it's by father. Keith Clark is the guy's name. Uh, but anyways, he says that intimacy is a human experience of being mutually transparent to another or with others in such a way that personalities are fused but not obliterated or lost in the other. And I thought that was a really cool quote, a cool way of explaining intimacy. It's like, you know, we think of it mostly in terms of what someone's going to be able to give us, you know, like, or what we're going to be able to take from someone. And it's like, okay, I, need, I have my intimacy needs. But just to see it as two, like two people or even a larger group of people it's not always just between two people um, being transparent to one another, being uh, vulnerable with one another to such an extent that they're able to to be brought together and fused as his language without being lost, without being obliterated, without like people kind of dominating one another or like taking over the other's personality. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I, I just what comes to mind is I've heard it spoken very simply that if you drag out the word intimacy, it's into me see. Well, right? what does that mean? So like seeing, like you're saying, having that like true profound look at another person, but not taking anything, but, but knowing that person. Yeah. Right? And it can be a large group of people. And so when I think of into me see, it's like, when I sit with God in prayer, the most powerful experiences are when I know that I'm being known by him and when I get to know him by looking into him, into me, see, to have that look into the, the persons of the Trinity and the relationship. Hmm. That's awesome. And I think one of the things that this book brings up as far as just knowing and being known by someone um, we also we almost need the experience of loneliness or of being alone to recognize our need for that. Um, so uh, when we feel lonely, when we when we realize that there's something missing, we're alone. We're in a sense alone with ourselves. We see that we're finite. We're, we see that we see that we're not complete in ourselves. We're not enough for ourselves, and that's why selfishness is so lame. Because 
if all you have is yourself, there's not much there. You know, like if, if you're not in relation to anyone else, if you're not in relation to God, if you're not in relation to the people that you love in your life, then there's not that much there. So the experience of loneliness is a hunger. It's a natural hunger that leads us into communion. Right, and we see that play out, and now I'm taking from St. John Paul II's wonderful Theology of the Body, but we see that in the second story of Genesis where Adam is alone with, and, and this is why I think it's important to say intimacy with other persons, either God or other people, because Adam is, is given this lush garden to live in with everything that he would need. And like the bachelor paradise, right? He's got everything he needs and he gets to be in charge of naming all of the creatures. And he goes through and he names the creatures and he feels alone, right? He's, he, he's got everything that he could want and yet something is missing. Mm -hmm. And then that's where God sort of steps in and creates Eve. And it's, I, I mean, I don't, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong in this observation, but it's not that – I mean God could have just created Adam and Eve knowing that that loneliness would exist, but he clearly wanted Adam to realize something, right? That, that these creatures and having all these things would not satisfy that feeling of, of being alone. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's dead on. And it's – I mean it's kind of part of who our God is too that he wants to reveal himself because this idea of intimacy – really just draws us into who he is, um, that he's not a a singular God. He's a triune God. So he's a very intimate God with, with himself and the three persons. Um, and throughout our entire life, he wants us to experience and understand more deeply who he is. And so kind of showing that with Adam, I think, is is really beautiful to say, here is how you are alone. But I want you to see who I am as God and and give you a partner. Um, mm -hmm. And then a cool thing, you know, it's an imperfect analogy, but, you know, and then what happens when, you, when you're intimate is nine months later, there's another human being, you know. So there's kind of a um, – this three-person element to, to, uh, to the human person that we call a family um, that creates a sense of completeness and intimacy. I mean, that, the story of Genesis is just astounding, too, because, I mean, it's it's crazy because God keeps saying, like, oh, I see that it's good. You know, I, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. And then he creates man and says, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. Wow. And so God, God creates everything. And, I mean, of course, this is a story that's revealing truth. We don't have to believe scientifically that this is how it all came to pass. But, like, the, the scriptures are revealing a truth about mankind, about human beings, about the human heart. And, and John Paul II, St. John Paul II, talks about that original solitude. The original solitude of man where, he, where he's able to be himself, but he also recognizes that he's directed to others. That he's, like, he's supposed to be pointing outward to other people. And it's just part of the fabric of who we are. Is we're, we're built for relationship. We're built to be with people. But, like... Yeah, the loneliness and kind of the realization that we're still individuals, we should not lose that. And that's where the definition of intimacy that we talked about before, that, that it's a fusion of persons without either of them being obliterated is so crucial. Like the experience of loneliness is I am, a, I am one person. I am myself. And yet I'm made to be with others. So like the, the, the 
particular and the universal. It always comes back to that. The one and the many. So how do we how do we kind of start uh, building intimacy? You know, we say it's it's about fusing and growing closer together, but is there you know, that that's that's fine and nice to talk about, but how does that actually occur? Um, and I guess there's two parts of it. How does it occur with other people, but also how do we build intimacy with, with God? Uh, just an open question for us to discuss. I mean, the first thing I would say is that we have to acknowledge that intimacy is very difficult, and it's not something to be taken lightly. Like, so we're afraid of loneliness, but I would say we're also petrified of actual true intimacy. Mm. Why do you think we're petrified of that? That's fascinating. Because love is a risk. I don't disagree with you, but... Love is always a risk. Love always exposes us to rejection. It always exposes us to people like finding fault with us. Um, actually being ourselves with another person, that is horrifying. Mm. Yeah, and I guess there's, you know, uh, Father Thomas Dubay talked about this. I may have said this before on one of our other podcasts, but... He talks about how at the at the center of our soul, there's an abyss that opens up to eternity, um, and that that makes us crave and thirst and hunger for not things but everything. You know, we were made for everything. God created everything, so we thirst for Him. But uh, but like, yeah, like you said, that's scary. You know, people might see things that we don't want them to see. They might um, they might we might hurt somebody, or we may even get hurt by somebody. Um, and then will they actually forgive us? You know, like we, we try to cover up insecurities, I think, um, and, and pains and problems that, that we have, uh, like you said, out of fear. Um, and fear, ultimately, is just a lack of trust in God. So our lack of trust breeds, uh, breeds more problems, and it, it keeps our eyes focused on our own brokenness, um, and the more we're focused on ourselves, the less we can look at the other person and love that person and build intimacy. And so my wife and I do uh, marriage prep retreats, and uh, one of the couples on there, they they give this really simple image, but they talk about for married people, how do you how do you grow in intimacy? And this lady says, I like to think of it like a triangle, you know, and you can you can use your two hands to make a triangle with your thumb and your uh, pointer fingers connected and she says god is like is representing um the top of that you know and the the two married people are the sides and you can't really go across the bottom to grow an intimacy if you want to grow closer to each other in intimacy then you both have to go up the up the sides of the triangle to Mm. meet in the middle at christ which i think is beautiful that's awesome. And it ties right back to what the theology of the body talks about and what the consequences of sin, the original sin between man like man and woman in the garden, when they sinned and fell and chose something apart from God, what was the what was the result? They realized that they were that they were exposed, they realized that they were naked, and then they were their relationship with one another was broken and they hid from God. And so their intimacy was broken down. Their ability to be totally themselves with one another now had a barrier, and they had a barrier between God. They were literally hiding in the bushes. And and I think that that you know that that shines a light on all the problems that we have. Like God says, now uh, you man will have um, authority over your wife, and there's going to be a, a schism. And that shows, gosh, it was not supposed to be that way. But the brokenness of it now makes this tension 
that we have to live through and figure out how we're supposed to function. So this idea that uh, that one one person in the the marriage um, is gonna gonna dominate the other, I don't think he's saying that's a good thing. Right, and in that also came the disordered desires. So we have the schism, and then we have, like you were commenting, Austin, that we crave everything, and that being we crave because everything comes from God, right? So then we crave our craving for everything can be displaced because really it's a craving for God and for intimacy with Him. And since the Garden, we get very confused about the what what it is that we truly crave and and until we realize that we have that god-shaped hole in our hearts we're we're going to continue to to flounder in in that way and I, and I just want to say too uh just to reclaim the word intimacy because I know we've already sort of distinguished this but again we're not talking about physical intimacy per se we're talking about seeing another person being seen by another and that's that's emotionally, that's spiritually. I just, I, I just want to clarify that again because our mm. culture tends to look at the word intimacy and immediately we think the physical. And that's not, that's not what we're talking about in this podcast. Yeah, a wise priest when I was kind of thinking about seminaries told me that everyone needs intimacy. Every single person needs intimacy, but not everyone is called to physical intimacy. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's definitely something I think in our, in our culture as we try to uh, – to look more just at the physical components of who we are and neglect the spiritual reality of who we are. Then we say intimacy. How do I feel that it's being in the presence of other people? Um, it's through physical touch. Um, it's through satisfying that need in my body. But what do we find as soon as we walk away from it, we feel empty again, you know? So it's like, I got to go back and I got to keep filling it. Uh, and it's never going to be filled Unless you're looking at the whole human person and saying your soul needs intimacy, you know, you need emotional intimacy, you need physical intimacy, um, and, and physical, not just in a sexual context, but, but being in proximity with other people to a degree. You know, you, you really, in general, uh, kind of need all of that for, to, to really embrace what it means to be human. And it's always it's always rooted in the Trinity, like Ken mentioned earlier. It, I mean, God is God is eternal intimacy with, within Himself in His own life, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> and this this actually reminds me, and maybe this is a good way to kind of roll to a close. Is uh, uh, I have a little book of Saint John Vianney's like sayings, and one I read just this morning while praying. It said, "One day, our Lord said to Saint Catherine of Siena." I want you to make a retreat in your heart and to come there to be alone with me and keep me company. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? I, I want you to make a retreat in your heart. So like retreat into your heart, into your, into the solitude of who you are as a person and then be with me there. That's wild. That idea of just that, that he wants our intimacy. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That's so, beautiful. Um, wow. Just sort of a closing comment or question to you, Anthony. Would you say then that in order to ha find that retreat within our heart, to be spend that time with God, we need to be alone? Yes. And, I mean, another quote that I had that we didn't really get to talk about is, is from the scriptures. Um, and Jesus, this is after spending a lot of time with people and healing a lot of people. And the apostles were tired. <laughs> and, and Jesus recognizes their need. He recognizes their need to go and be alone. And he says, 
uh, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. Uh, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat, and they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Now, what that quote doesn't say is the people followed them and <laughs> bothered them right after that. But but Jesus is recognizing he's he's hitting a nerve there that we need to be alone, that we need to retreat away so that we can then go and be with people again. Yeah. And I think if anybody's listening to this podcast and they uh, they kind of struggle with that loneliness, um, those feelings of isolation, a great model and somebody to turn to is our Blessed Mother um, because she understands in a number of ways that loneliness that we go through, that yearning for intimacy. Um, I mean, you think about when she lost the child Jesus, that here she was, she carried Christ in her body physically nursed him, was with him, and then all of a sudden realizes he's gone. And for three days, she experiences loneliness, which again she experiences um, at the foot of the cross when her when her son dies um, and then is put in a tomb. And her heart's longing, her, her heart and soul all set on Christ, the Savior, her Savior, her Redeemer, the Redeemer of the world. And where is he? He's gone. You know, and there's that intense sense of loneliness um, that that she wants to join us when we are in those moments of sadness and loneliness. She wants to join us and console our hearts and be with us. Um, and if we turn to her in prayer and say, you know, help me uh, to cling to Christ, even though I don't feel him, even though I don't recognize him, um, she's a good mom and she's going to answer because she's been there and she wants to to help us. Absolutely. And, and just, yeah, uh, before we close, just don't be afraid of loneliness. Don't be afraid. Just kind of enter into it. Invite God there. Invite the Lord because he's very close to us. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I got today. Is Thanks it? for this topic, Anthony. It's great. I mean, it, it's a little heavy talking about loneliness, yeah. but it's beautiful because it's part of the human experience. Yep, it's part of our daily life. We just, gotta, we, we just have to enter into those moments and, and let God work. So, and he will. Amen. So, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, thanks again, Josh, for being lurking with us and kind of quietly <laughs> listening and what, thinking that we're crazy and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, as, as always, if, if you guys have enjoyed what you've heard today, we very much encourage you to uh, share this with your friends and family. And uh, also, we want to hear from you. So if you ever have any ideas for topics or, or just want to let us know how we're doing or want to encourage us, uh, you can email us at vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. That's vichimundum1633, and that's from John 1633, which is where the, the gospel passage, uh, vichimundum, I have conquered the world, comes from. Uh, so, yeah, anything else? No, that's good. Sweet. Well, with that, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call to new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.